0: We remember that Jesus in chapter 14 said, let not your heart be troubled. And uh, again, if you look at the news, you'll see a lot of things that would trouble your heart. It's good to know God has it all under control. Father. As we go to your word now. We just ask you to open our eyes concerning these days that we live in. That we would be about your business and God, that you would remind each one of us of the importance of the things that we read in your word, how they apply to us each day. And so bless every heart here. Cause our hearts to be founded upon you in Jesus name. Amen. Your relationship with God is based upon a foundation. Friends, everybody's life is based upon something. I believe if you're not a Christian listening to this today, you need to say, what am I basing my life upon? The value system of Hollywood, or maybe what my friends tell me, or maybe what I've read in books, or maybe it's what I just simply think about life. Everybody has a foundation. Chapter 15, verse 1 of John says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman or the vine dresser. Now, what this is, it says, I am the true vine. By the very nature of this verse tells me there are other vines out there. Jesus is the true vine, but there's also other vines. Now, when you attach yourself to something that is not healthy, it will always bring about an unhealthy lifestyle. That's why it's important to oftentimes, what am I attaching myself to? Sometimes you may not know until you look around at your friends. Your friends will probably give you a pretty good idea of what you have attached yourself to. Um, Proverbs tells us that we're known by the company we keep. So, if you find yourself a bunch of, around a bunch of ruffians, it may very well be that maybe you're not attached to the true vine. You're attached to a vine, but not the true vine. The true vine's going to really bring about a true way of life. And my father is the vine dresser. My father is the husbandman. What does a husband do? What does, what's a vine dresser do? It goes through and makes sure you're not mangy. Have anybody here ever gotten mangy? You know, your dogs get that way. You look at your dog, they got fur balls in their their hair on them. They got wads of dirt and all kinds of stuff in them. You got to take and give your dog a bath. Why is that? Because they don't take care of themselves. Friends, I'm pretty convinced we don't take very good care of ourselves either. You ever notice that? Isn't it funny that God calls us when we pray, he says, our father which art in heaven implies we're his children. What do children need? A parent. Why do we need parents? Because we can get ourselves into trouble without one. If you've ever been around small children, you know that they can take the simplest of things and make it a lethal weapon. They can take a toothbrush, run around the house with it in their mouth, fall, and it goes through the back of their head. That's why they need a parent. That's why we need parents as well. That's why we need a God in heaven that watches over us. Now, the vine dresser or the husbandman goes through and manages us. Now, here's one of the things we have to remember. If you're a born-again Christian, and I pray you are today, you have somebody that maintenances you. If you're not a Christian here today, no one is taking care of you. No wonder your life's a wreck. It doesn't take long to... Absolutely run your life into the ground. Why? Even those that in our society today, we'd say, oh, they've made it to the top. They're not happy. Look how many people that we find, even in the Hollywood world, commit suicide. And there were several last year. Very prominent people, very funny people, very successful people find no joy in living. Why is that? No vine dresser. You've got to have somebody that comes through and helps you separate the issues of life. What is important? What is not important? What I need to be living for? What I need not to be living for? Every branch, Jesus says here, in me that not bears fruit, he takes away. Thank God for that. Now, why is that? They're called suckers. Now, do you know where a sucker is? I'm not talking about one of those things on the end of a wood stick, you you lick it. I'm talking about on a plant, there are those things that will suck the strength out of the main tree. They have no purpose other than to suck strength. Oftentimes, you'll find grafted trees. Most all of our trees that we have, that we buy in our local stores here, are grafted. And what that is, they have a a regular stump, but then they take a really good branch that is really known for producing fruit, and they'll graft it on to that stump. Now, what's important about that is that in the process of growing the original, whatever that stump really was, it starts shooting up its little branches as well. It will never produce fruit. And so, you go through and you clip those off. Those are called suckers. And they will literally take away any ability for that plant to bear fruit. God goes through our lives and he takes away things that don't belong. Now, I know sometimes that's painful because sometimes I like suckers. But God does come through because we've asked him to and he takes away those things that don't produce. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. God's desire for us is that we would bear fruit. Isn't that good to know? That we don't just live to exist, but that we actually live to produce something that will benefit the kingdom of heaven. Now, that tells me a lot, that if I'm not a Christian, I don't have anybody that really trims the things in my life that don't belong. And what is working, God is very careful to go through to make sure it will be even better. Do you know why? We run on tangents, don't we? I think we all do at times. And uh, you'll find that in your relationship with God, God clips even the very things that are producing So that it will produce more. You say, how does that work? Well, fruit is found on the new parts of growth on the tree. God does that in our lives. If you've ever been pruned by God, don't get angry with God that he's taken something out of your life. You just say, Lord, I don't understand why you took this out of my life, but I just praise you and I'm glad you did. Sometimes it will be a job. Sometimes it may be friends. Sometimes it might even, unfortunately, be a spouse. But God will take things out of your life to, in the long run, bless you. We oftentimes think we know more about life than God does. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, nor do you. We have an inclination based upon God's word. We can see the prophecies unfolding, but I I really don't know. There's too many variables. But because of that... I know the one who does know what's going to happen tomorrow. And because God knows what's going to happen tomorrow, he sets us up for tomorrow. I like that. Only God can do that. Again, if you're not a Christian, and being a Christian is more than than eternal life when we die with him, but it's that we have somebody that makes our life meaningful, that gives it definition. He cuts out the things that don't belong. He puts in the things that do. He prunes, it says, that it may bear forth more fruit. The word for prunes in the Greek is the word to cleanse. You know, there's a lot of things we need adjusted in our life. We see it in our children's life, don't we? Honey, you can't do that. You can't just eat candy all day. They'll do that if you let them. You'll find bags of M&Ms that you were saving are gone. How did they know? Well, they watch where you put it. They're smarter than you think. And when you're not around, they drag their little chair over and they slide the drawers open and they make their own little ladder and they climb up and grab that bag. And then all of a sudden, your children are good for a little bit. Why is that? You don't hear them. By the way, if you ever have children and they're quiet, something's wrong. And they're in the back room, and, and it's, you go, what have you been doing? And they've got chocolate all over their face and all over the clothes. And they look at you with the most sincere eyes and say, nothing. No, you're little thieving, stealing, deceitful, hide in the corner and make a mess, kids. Why is that? Why are they like that? because they're like us. You see, that's why you need someone that will come through in prudence. Now, verse 3, it's interesting. And this verse 3 is very important because it says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. You're already clean. You just need to be maintenanced. It isn't that we got to go out and do something so that we'll be good enough for God to do something for us, it's that it says you're already clean. Why is that? Because of what Jesus said to us. They came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, what must we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, and, and you've got to remember, in the Jewish mindset, they had all the laws and the commandments and all the Old Testament. Jesus, what do we need to do? Jesus said, Believe that the Father has sent me huh? Yeah. Believe that the Father has sent me. That's how we're clean. It isn't by any works of righteousness that we would do. It's what God has already done for us. And always remember this, friends. The gospel is not what you should be doing. The gospel is what God has done for you. Always important to remember that because false religions, other vines we might say, they say, well, in order to be good or to be right with God, you got to get out there and do a bunch of really religious stuff. And depending on what group it is, depends on what they got you doing. And so remembering that we're already clean. In other words, I don't have to earn salvation. I don't have to get out there and knock on doors and wear blue and all the other crazy stuff that oftentimes they'll tell you to do. I'm already clean. You're already clean. What is all this about? God maintenancing us. Well, that's good. So now, all of a sudden, it goes from where I'm accepted by God, I'm holy in God, now because he loves me, he corrects me. In fact, the Bible says if God doesn't correct us, we're illegitimate. We don't have a father. So if you've ever been spanked by daddy, he loves you. Now, all of us realize this. You see kids acting up in stores, and and they're throwing a tantrum, and somebody walks up to you and says, why don't you stop your kid? You go, it's not my kid. Well, here's why. When it's your child, you have permission to go correct it. When it's not your child, you can't do anything. Somebody comes up, a little kid comes up to you and pulls on your pants. Hey, mister, buy me a bicycle. No, I don't even know who you are. But if your own child comes up and pulls on your, and says, Daddy, would you buy me a bicycle? Well, honey, you know, when you're able to ride it, yeah, maybe we can do that. What's the difference? One, you have a relationship with, one, you don't. And because we have a relationship with God, we're already clean. In other words, I don't have to do something to be something we already are in him. But that does not negate the the need for God to help us. Now, as I look at this, this, what I call, is great time management. Because what we find here in these first couple of verses is how God does not want us wasting our time on things that don't matter. God's got a purpose, a plan. I believe God puts in our heart, as we've talked about this over the past few weeks, things in our heart that he wants to see fulfilled because he has a purpose for it down the road. That's okay. That's good. That's what we want. We just don't want to be running buddy trails only to find there's nothing at the end of those. And so he says, you're already clean because of what I've spoken to you. Abide in me. The word abide means to live. Just live in him. Now, this is the same kind of word that we would find in abide as a fish in water. The fish stays in the water. It lives. It exists. Well, that's what we want to do. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, Jesus is really the source of all things eternal. I like that. All things eternal come from God. And so when we find ourselves in Him, we're going to find the eternal reward. In other words, we're not spinning our wheels, doing things that we really and don't really come to of any use in our lives. Verse 5 again, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If you don't get anything else out of today's sermon, I would ask you to just consider verse 5. Without me, you can't do anything. Now, a lot of people think they're getting things accomplished, but they really aren't. Why is that? Well, because Jesus is speaking of things eternal. We think of things temporary. And one of the things I believe is one of the greatest transitions that God does when we become born again is move us from finite beings into infinite beings. Now you say, what does that mean? In other words, before we're born again, what you see is what you get. When we become born again, God says, it's only the beginning, folks. Big difference. See, a lot of people, they think that all they see is what they get. All they see is what is here. The Bible tells us, you don't even begin to see until you come to God. Because there's so much more going on. And God's illumination via his Holy Spirit, and when we find ourselves attached to him in the vine, our lives then change in purpose. This is one why I've shared this before. There are so many ideas going around in the church today and being taught as gospel that has nothing to do with the gospel. I've heard people say, you'll never realize your dreams. You'll never realize your goals. You'll never realize your aspirations until you accept Jesus as your savior. On the surface, it sounds religious. It sounds good until you compare it to God's word. Because when I come to Christ, I abandon my goals: I abandon my dreams, I abandon my aspirations, and I say, "No longer I, but Christ, you live within me." See, there's a big difference, and the problem is today, they're trying to take what I want and mix it with Christ. It doesn't work that way. It's that we go to God, oh here I am, God," the old song that you oftentimes hear at a Billy Graham crusade years ago just as I am without one request, without one plea is what the word is in the original song. But we come to God just as we are. It isn't, God, I come to you. Now make it all happen for me, baby. That's not the way it works. The Bible tells us that we come to God. We come to God. It's, it's, it's about his plan. Now here's the good news. God's plan for your life is much better and bigger than your plan for your life. Why would you settle for second best based upon my limited view of life versus God, infinite view of my life and what he wants to do in it? In other words, if I was to say to God, I want to accept you as Savior God, but you make it all happen for me in my understanding of life, God's saying, you're cheating yourself. Why? Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. All God wants for me is just to say, okay, here I am. What do you want to do? And God goes, now we can get somewhere. You see, you attach yourself to the vine. You say, okay, God, no longer as Paul says, I live, but Christ who lives within me. Now we're about our daddy's business. Daddy's business is infinite. In other words, it goes beyond the horizons of what we understand. My vision of life, personally, without Christ, would be very limited. Why? Because I can't see tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen 20 minutes from now. So I I look at life like this. And God goes, here, let me help you. And he pulls these restrictions back so that we can see the big picture. You know, I think a lot of times in our Christian experience, and especially when we get bummed out as being Christians, I think what really happens is that we begin to see life outside of God. And that we say, well, God, why did this happen to me? If you love me, why did you do this? And God says, because you don't understand. I'm looking at the big picture. God sometimes will use inconvenience to move us around. Now, even being in the will of God, you'll find this sometimes in your life, that God will move you around, and you go, well, I I love God, and I lost my job, and I I don't understand. Why did this have to happen, God? If you really love me, and if you're really up there, why did you do this? Has anybody ever asked God, said those things to God? My hand's up. Why do you think I know that? Because I think sometimes I'm smarter than God. I think my little tunnel vision is better than God's overall plan. But in God, in the inconvenience, moving us around or hooking us up where we're supposed to be for his kingdom and his glory, God says, look, you're looking at life like this. I want to let you see everything. Oh, you mean there's another perspective of life than my own? Yes. And when we start seeing through the eyes of God, we start seeing a different way of life. As he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, this right there causes an issue with a lot of people because they think they're the vine and Jesus is my branch. Jesus is my co-pilot. No, actually, I want him to drive completely. I don't even want to hold on to the wheel. He knows where he's going. I don't. All God's told me to do is live in him. Do you know when you live in him, as we go back to the last chapter, let not your heart be troubled becomes a reality. Why? Well, because I'm no longer trying to make my thing happen. I'm saying, okay, God, it's your thing from now on. For without me, you can do nothing. It's like a chicken that gets its head cut off. I don't know how many people have ever been around the barnyard. But because the part of the brain goes down the chicken's neck, the chicken can actually run around the, cor- around the yard without a head. I'm sure people have looked and said, oh, look how much that chicken is getting done without its head. It's just running around, it's busy, taking in the entire perimeter of the fence, bumping into things. But that's the problem. Busyness is not necessarily doing things for the kingdom of God. We don't want to aim improperly. We want to we be about daddy's business. If anyone does not abide in me, verse 6, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. So, we have a compelling from Jesus. This isn't from Paul, the apostle, or one of the other writers in the Bible. This is from Jesus himself. He says, if you don't stay attached, you're going you're to die because that's your life source. And what do you do with that when it's dead? It's thrown away. It's lost forever. If anyone does not abide in me, He is cast out as a branch and withered and they are gathered and thrown them into the fire and they are burned. But if you do abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The power of God is revealed in the obedience in our relationship with him. (laughs) I like that. You're invincible. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes Store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash Time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.